0: Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is John Cullen, one of the pastors here, and I'm not sure if I should say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year, but both are extended to you. We're glad you're here, especially if you're a first-time guest with us. I want to say a special welcome to you. Uh, As Adam mentioned already, our mission as a church is to connect people to Jesus for life change. And we want to see that happen here in the Triangle area as well as around the world. And one of the ways we do that is through partnering with uh, organizations that are going after God's mission to reach the ends of the earth. And this morning we have Matt Hedspeth with us. Um, As a reminder, uh, Matt and Misty were members of Southbridge back at the beginning, before the Lord called them to Panama to combat the orphan crisis there. And uh, since that time, they started Hearts Cry Children's Ministry, have been uh, doing everything from helping the government change uh, Panamanian law so that kids can get out of institutions into forever homes, to um, working with adoptive uh, families pre- and post-adoption all for free, as well as uh, ramping up here uh, to open uh, Casa Providencia, the a special needs orphanage, really a first of its kind in Panama. So we're glad you're here. We love you guys and love to hear an update um, from you on the ministry and how things are going. Yep.
0: Good morning, everyone. I'm used to the Panamanian heat and humidity, so I could barely make it from my car to here. It's actually not my car. Uh, I'd like for you guys to note when you leave today, we, from our last, from this recent fundraiser we just did, we were able to get the Casa Providencia handicap bus. So I've got a a short bus out there with the lift and it's got Casa Providencia all over it. So um, I'll offer bus rides. It's like $5 a head, but we just go around the neighborhood. Um, And, uh, but yes, I wanted to give an update. First of all, I wanna say thank you so much for you guys supporting us. We cannot do this work without you. We've been down there nine years. Uh, We are turning into real jungle people and we've got jungle kids and um, we actually have one on the way, Misty's pregnant. And we forget how many weeks now, Uh, things have been so crazy, uh, it's probably 23 weeks or something like that, pray for that. but we've had a very good year with getting a lot done to get Casa Providencia open. We're at the point where we can actually open it. We are we are a little short of the funding we need for the operational budget to begin. It's, it's a lot. I mean, it's a big, uh, big project, but God has already provided so much, and I know he'll provide the rest. You can pray for that or give toward that. Um, but also, uh, I wanted to let you know that Family services, we've been able to help kids this year get placed in adoptive homes. And this government down there right now is, has been one of the hardest ones to work with. Yet still, because we've established ourselves before, only by God's grace, we're able to help place kids. And so I, I would also, one thing I want to specifically ask for you to pray for, we're about to open Panama's First Special Needs Orphanage and Therapy Center It's a huge facility. It's the only thing like it in Panama. Special needs orphans are literally tied down to their cribs and overcrowded orphanages day in and day out, right now as I'm speaking. And there are hundreds of them that need Casa Providencia. We are right now actually, I'm going back to Panama in a week from today, and we're going to sit down with the government and select those first 15 kids. Pray for us as we select those first 15 kids, please. These are these are children that are treasures that we're gonna. You guys are also gonna pour into. I mean, this is gonna be awesome. So these are kids with uh, mostly cerebral palsy. They have trachs, G tubes, and wheelchairs. I mean, pretty severe uh, and combinations of disabilities. But uh, God wants to bring out the treasure that He's placed and hidden in them. Right now, no one can see it because they're staring at their crib bars day in and day out. But we're going to bring out all that, let them know who Jesus is, and then just sit back and watch. But we're going to provide all the best therapies, and education, medical care. But yeah, there's a lot, but I just, I'm so thankful that Southbridge has come down and helped out, and just every year, multiple times, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, the support, and I just want to say thank you so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're going to pray right now. Um, and just to encourage you, church family, to continue to pray for them, lift them up, reach out to them, send them an email of an encouragement, let them know you're praying for them. Uh, just want to encourage our body to continue to hold the rope well here in the states as they're down there um, pursuing God's mission to care for the least of these. So, I've got one more thing. Okay. Yeah. Misty texted me, and um, I think she. She's sick. There's a. Rough yes,
0: house, so. So, so this is this is connected. So we, Misty's not here and she won't be here for the next service either. She was up all night uh, with our, our son Isaac, who's four. He's autistic, pretty severely autistic. He's nonverbal, um, still not sleeping through the night. And wow, you know, it's, he is amazing. He's just a, a wonderful kid. But please pray for us with that. We're, we're in a country where we don't get the constant flow of different therapists coming to our house that speak English and um yeah, so please pray for our son Isaac to start talking soon and
1: sleeping through the night. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, the opportunity to be here this morning and, and worship you. Uh, it's a gift to be here and uh, to be with other believers, to hear from your word, to sing songs to you. It's because of your grace and goodness. Um, thank you for my friends, Matt and Misty, and their dear, dear family. Thank grateful that they could be here this morning and just pray your continued provision and um, care for them, that they would continue to press into you and that your your presence would just be um, very tangible in their lives. Um, pray that you continue uh, to open doors that can't be shut, um, knowing you've already done so in, in the past, and we, we praise you for that and, and ask you to continue to do so. Um, pray that... Uh, with Isaac and his um, various needs, that you would work miracles. You are the God of miracles. How foolish we would be not to ask for for miracles, so we do so. And ask that you would um, move in his life and provide rest and sleeping through the night and uh, communication and all those things. Um, Lord, I pray you to, even today, help Misty just uh, find rest in you. Um, pray for the ministry and uh, meetings with government officials and selection of staff and children into this uh, uh, orphanage. Just pray that you continue to guide guide each step and that Matt Misty would see clearly the next step you placed before them and then have great faith to just step out and trust you. So we thank you and praise you and look forward to what you're going to do in, in the days ahead. It's in Christ's great name we pray. Amen. This morning we have uh, Pastor Horner back with us to share from God's Word, really a timely message um, around the idea of prayer, Uh, because we as a church family are, um, in the new year, going to be entering a season of prayer and fasting. Uh, Pastor Scott will be unpacking more of that next week, but here at Southbridge, we don't want to manufacture something of of our own volition or will, we really want to hear from the Lord. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to be just pausing and seeking the Lord and, and His wisdom, and, and we really want to hear from Him. So, Pastor, please come and share.
2: Well, Pastor Scott's going to be very shocked to know that I broke into his computer and stole his sermon from next week, so he's going to have to really work hard when he gets back. <laughs> no. no, it's exciting. He talked to me about the, uh, the whole theme of prayer that's coming up, and it's an exciting thing to think through. What is it that God does in response to our praying? reminded just in recent days of, of how sometimes we, we ask questions and we we present things, but then we have no interest in, in the answer. Uh, our four-year-old, Matt, he is sleeping through the night, but sometimes you wish maybe he would sleep during the day every now and then. And uh, he would come up, Papa, Papa, could you come play with me? You know, and I'm thinking... No, I don't want to You know, crawl around the floor. And, And the bottom line is, he's not really wanting me to play with him. He wants me to come and play alongside of him, right? And so that's really the issue. So he said, Papa, would you come play with me? Before I can even fashion a response, he's already doing it, right? He's already going ahead and doing his thing, and he's got his little cars. As a matter of fact, I've not seen him one time in the last three and a half years since he was old enough to do it when he didn't have matchbox cars, one in each hand which is tough when he's eating, but, uh, you know, just fa- face plant. But he's, he's serious about this stuff. Uh, uh, some of you moms here this morning, you have daughters or, or sons who were getting ready to come to church, and they ask you, hey, should I, should I wear uh, the, the leggings or should I wear pants or, or should I wear a skirt or, or what? And they're just talking to themselves. They don't really think of what you really think about that at all. They're just saying it mama, don't look at your daughters like that. So anyway, they're asking, but they really aren't interested in what your response is. They're just actually talking out loud what they're thinking in their brains, but they haven't really connected their, their asking to anything that they expect by way of response. Well, the passage we're going to look at this morning suggests to us, with several others that we'll, we'll look at along the way, that we don't ask expecting God to say anything. We just prayed, and John prayed for Matt and his family, and 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 some of us were hearing the prayer and saying, yeah, that's a good thing to pray. Is God going to do anything about that? No, I don't really think so. I I think Isaac's still going to be waking up all through the night, and there's not going to be any change. And somehow or another, those 15 kids that have been identified in Panama, whether we pray or not, they're still going to get placed. Uh, Somehow or another, the government's going to be favored. We, We just... We're not really praying, expecting God to do anything. Does that seem harsh? I I, I don't mean it to sound harsh. But but the reality is, a lot of times, we're like, Papa, play with me. If you don't, I'm going to play anyway. I'm going to do what I'm doing, and I'll go about it. But I don't necessarily need you to be able to do what I'm going to do. In James' letter, he says this. If any of you, this is in chapter 1, beginning verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. God protect us from being that guy. So let's pray together and ask him to show us how we can process this, how we can think through what it is that that he wants us to do with prayer that will make it something more than just a perfunctory act of the Christian duty and the discipline of a daily walk. Well, did you pray? Did you read your Bible? Yes. Did you do either of them well? And did you do them for the Lord, or just to say you did. And so we want to ask, God, I need the wisdom to know how to do that. This this is the last day of 2017. I'm not this resolution kind of maker, but maybe I really need to be, to resolve to be a, a man of prayer in the coming year. So let's do that now. Father, open our eyes to see whether we're the ones this morning who are supposed to take this message and do something specific with it. Lord, as I've been praying through this morning, would would there be as many as 20% of the people today who hear this message who do something tomorrow morning, even perhaps this afternoon or tonight, to take the lessons of Scripture to heart and to not pray the way they've always prayed as a result of you speaking through your word this morning? Lord, it'd be great to expect 100% to do it, and we could pray that, and, and that would be That would be okay, but but Father, maybe my faith is small, but Lord, if if, if, let's just say 20% of the folks here today, including me, would take these lessons to heart, Lord, what a difference it could make with a group of people who believe you and are not unstable in our ways, and are not double-minded, but actually believe you and take you at your word and hold you to your promises. Lord, you're faithful, and you want to do what you promised you'll do. So, Lord, open our eyes that we can see these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Part of what happens when we pray is that we do not really expect an answer. We couldn't even tell you an hour later what we prayed about an hour before. It's not on our minds. We, we prayed it because this may be on our prayer list, or maybe we prayed it because somebody said, would you pray for this? And we did, but, but we're not really expecting an answer, and without watching and waiting for an answer, uh, we, we don't put ourselves in a position to find God's response for us. We don't, we don't know exactly what we're supposed to do. So praying without watching and praying without waiting for the answer from the Lord demonstrates that there's a lack of trust in Him. We don't mean it that way. And we're not trying to insinuate that, God, you're not trustworthy. But what we're saying is, God, I don't really think you either can or will or are interested. And so I can't even remember what I talked about with you. And so what I want to do is recognize, Lord, that with prayer and with expectation, my faith can grow to new levels. If I begin to pray and think through what that looks like to be a man or a woman who's faithfully, consistently presenting a request to a God who answers prayer. Now, let's be careful as we think about this because you, you always pray with praise and thanksgiving. You always do that. You don't always pray requests. We, we get that. I understand. And that's, that's a good thing. We, we look at the character of God and we boast in his attributes and we glorify his name for who he is and, and we ad- adore him for being God. We, we do that. And, and the more we catch a glimpse of his glory and the more we wonder at who he is and are just in awe of who he is, what that does is that it ignites a flame in our hearts and, and we do pray in an intimate relationship with him and that's a wonderful thing. And when we pray, we always do that. We don't always make requests. But we do worship him, praising him for who he is. And when we get close enough to him, as the song said, well, as we draw near with confidence to him, as the Hebrews 4 passage says, what happens is that the brilliance of the radiance of his light shines into the darkest places of our hearts, and all of a sudden we we need to confess sin when we get that close, because we see things that, that need to be addressed. And so we, we don't always make requests, but we do always worship him and, and rehearse in our minds and our hearts the greatness of the wonder of who he is. And when we do that, our sin is exposed and we have a need for confession. Have you ever prayed at that point, Lord, just forgive me of all my sins? I would. Could you name one? You got any particular in mind? Oh, just all of them. In other words, you don't have anything that you're really repenting of. You're not really serious about this thing. Maybe you can draw a little closer and the brightness of my brilliant radiance will shine further into the hearts than you want and you'll see some sin. But we do need to confess sin. That's a part of our prayer life. So we, we worship and praise and we we confess our sins. And then when we've done that, then there's this matter of supplication or requests or intercessions and things that we ask for from God. That's the part I want us to talk about this morning. Not as if that's the only part of prayer. Please don't get me wrong or misunderstand what I'm saying. That's not to be dismissed. But we do want to talk about today what happens when we do ask and we do make our requests known to God. What happens when we wait and expect God to respond? Prayer often does make those requests, but it often does not wait for answers. Doesn't watch for answers. And therefore, thanksgiving becomes shallow because we're not really thankful for anything. We just assume we deserved it or we did it ourselves and don't have anyone to thank for it. Our our, our whole idea of what it looks like to to be able to adore him in that way is not there. So in Philippians chapter 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with what? Prayer and, and petition, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ. You make your request with thanksgiving, and then watch what God does to bring peace that will guard your heart and give you a sense of of wonder at who he is. So there are some basic affirmations that we want to make about this kind of praying, this biblical praying. One is that, that God does hear the prayers of his people. Now, if we sin, we break the fellowship there, and he says he will not hear the prayers of those who who continue to regard iniquity in their heart, and they don't confess sin, so we need to make sure that that, but bottom line is that God hears the prayers of his people. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. The God of the universe wants to hear you. An amazing thing. Secondly, he does actually answer the prayers of his people. You believe that? Well, of course you believe that. But do you believe that? See, it's it's one of those things where we say, "Well, yeah, I do." But yeah, Jesus says, "If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you." And we read that, and we put a giant asterisk by that bottom of the page. Sometimes, maybe, perhaps, (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not going to bet the bank on it, but okay, I hear him saying that, but, but then we, we realize we don't even understand exactly all that, that that means, and so we start trying to study it and figure it out, and then we figure that's too hard, so we just say, well, God answers prayers sometimes, so I'm not going to bet my life on what he's going to do. So we, we know he hears, we know he answers in our experience, we're not sure how often and, and how he does that, but, but we're aware that he does answer. And, and, and he answers because he is good. And he answers on his time frame, not ours. That's a little frustrating. I would like to know now, God. Well, see, here's the thing. As a good God, I know you well enough and I know the issues well enough to know that now's the not, not the right time to answer that. So I'm going to put you on hold for a little while while I put some other things together in order to be able to answer the prayer when the time is right. Well, God, I don't want to complain or anything, but that kind of stinks. You know, I I don't like it that way. When I ask, that means it's on my heart and on my mind, and I'm looking for you to respond. Several years ago, when uh, Kathy and I were expecting uh, son number two, we Uh, we were here in Raleigh, we had just come from seminary, we didn't have any money. We were those kind of smart people who do things so measured and scheduled in life. We bought a house, had a baby, and started a new church all within two months. We're not the brightest bulbs in the pack, honestly. we we just kind of plowing ahead. And so it's time now, the church just starts in October, it's November, she's due. We've already had a child, we know what labor looks like. We know what this feels like. We know when to rush to the hospital. We got this down, right? But the problem is, our insurance was not so good. It was the kind of insurance that they kind of go, well, we'll help you a little bit. You're on your own for the balance. And so we had started praying, God, we would love to have this child paid for before he gets married. You know, we're not we're not asking for a lot, but if we could just have him paid for at some point in life, we know how much the hospital is gonna charge, we get all that, but this is a big ask. So, Lord, could you help us in this area? Comes around time for the due date. We head to the hospital, the baby's coming, we have no idea how we're gonna pay for this child. We're gonna become very well acquainted with the bank. Credit is going to be extended, we hope. But, Lord, we're still praying, still asking, still hoping. We get to the hospital, and we know the drill. We go in, and we're checked in, and, and uh, labor is happening, and then all of a sudden it's not. Okay, well, that, that, um, <clears throat> you know they're going to charge us for being here whether we have a baby or not. And so, Lord, we didn't have enough money for the baby anyway, and so now we're here... And we both were almost crying when we walked back out to the car. And she walked out to the car. You know? And this is, a, this is us going out to the car. No baby in hand, baby still in womb, and another whatever the price was for the visit to the hospital. God, we ask you, this is not the way you answer prayer. Following Sunday, still no birth. Uh, after church is over, we're, you know, we're meeting in an elementary school at the time, and, and after church, um, the treasurer handed me a, uh, something. I thought it was you know an expense check or something from the week before. And, and so we get home, and I didn't even open it. It was in my Bible. And the next morning, open Bible for the quiet time. This is Monday morning. And I opened it up, and uh, there was a check there, and I thought that would be the case. But I, I looked at it, and I went, whoa, 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 what is this? And there was a little note attached to it, and it's from the treasury. He says, uh, somebody put this in the offering plate this morning. And there was a note in there that says, we just moved here from Jacksonville, Florida. We haven't found a church home yet. We've been out of a church home for about uh, six or eight months, and we've got additional tithe. And we believe the pastor and his wife, from what we can see, might need this help. Well, obviously, that means that Kathy was very pregnant because I didn't look like I needed any help, right? Yeah, but we needed some help. And so we looked at it. And it was everything that the hospital bill was going to need. whole thing. That was Monday. Tuesday, Scott was born. It was like, uh, God, we asked for last week. So we're kind of ticked about this whole thing. No, we're not. We're just thinking, Lord, in your goodness, you answer prayer. You do it on your time frame, not ours. And you do it fully in ways that we wouldn't even comprehend. Now, that doesn't happen all the time, folks. It happened that time. God answers prayer because he is a good God. He is a faithful God. He always relates his promises to his his word, and his word gives us the confidence that we can come to him with our requests and make them known to him. And as the God who is, who is good, who is faithful, who is also able to do all things that he says, because he is sovereign God, all-powerful, we can trust him. He is able to make all grace abound to you, he says, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good work. That's in 2 Corinthians 9 8. That's good promises. So God says, I I do answer prayer. But he says, I also want you to understand something. I delight in the prayers of my people. I love to talk to you. I I love it. I I just love talking to you. You know, when we get to heaven, you want to go, why, God? (laughs) Why did you want to talk to me? Why did you want me to talk to you? You know every thought that goes through my brain. You already told me that. You know everything about me. You know things that are gonna happen to me the next minute that I don't have any idea about. Why in the world do you wanna talk to me? Because I love you and I care about you and I enjoy spending time with you. I delight in the prayers of my people. Psalm 18, verse 6, he says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. I cried to him for help. And he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry for help before him came into his ears. He heard that. He brought me forth, down in verse 19. Also, into a broad place. And he rescued me because he delighted in me. Psalm 16 says that that the lines have been drawn for me in pleasant places. Surely, this is a great God who loves us and he just delights in us. Go figure. We know what we're like. Why would God delight in us? But God does indeed answer prayer. He delights in us. He is a God who hears what we say. So we've got all that as backdrop. Now, with questions in our minds about these things, as we're praying, why would we not, knowing those things, why would we not watch and wait when we present a request to him? Why, why would we not do that? We've built our lives around the premise, the practical, functional premise of our lives, that he's not going to do anything. And so therefore, our prayer lives are an incidental sidebar, occasionally practiced with superficiality, unless we actually watch and wait. Now, there was a Puritan writer named Thomas Goodwin, and he wrote a little treatise called The Return of Prayers. Talking about we, we pray and then there's a return on our investment. What is the return? He says the problem is that we have prayed without watching. We've prayed without waiting. We've prayed with no expectation. We're praying as if there were not going to be a return for our prayers. And he listed seven problems. And this is not original to me, so I want to make sure you know up front. I didn't come up with this stuff. This is good old Puritan stuff. But he says there are seven problems we face when we pray without watching and waiting for the answer. First of all, we doubt God's word. This is a Bible-believing place here at Southbridge. I, that's why our hearts were knit together when, when Scott and the team of you guys started this church years ago. Uh, we, we saw a kindred spirit because we love God's word. But if our prayer life is characterized by that which does not wait and watch, well, we're, we're in essence saying whatever affirmations we make doctrinally about our faith and trust and confidence in the word of God, what we're actually saying with our lives is we doubt that he's going to be true to his word. Job says it this way, what is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him. What is the big deal, he's asking. In other words, he's just doubting that God is God, that God speaks, that God has something to say to us. Any prayer offered in the name of Christ has the promise from God that he will indeed attend to that prayer, and he will answer that prayer. Sometimes he doesn't answer it the way we want to, but God does answer our prayer. So go ahead and ask, he's saying. First John 5, he says in verse 14, this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. We watch and wait for that to happen, or we don't watch, we don't wait, we don't expect, and thereby we doubt God's word. We doubt that he's telling us the truth. We doubt that he's going to keep his promise. Wow, if you got a second point, that one's a little convicting. Okay, let's move to the second one. It's not much better. We treat God as if he were not truly God. We, we, we look at him and, and we recognize that people from all around the world are bowing down to their little deities. They're, they're bowing down to their little carved idols or whatever else. We were in Kathmandu several years ago and went to two different major, major temples. One was the Buddhist temple that was sort of the, the head Buddhist temple in the world, and the other was the head Hindu temple in the world, both in Kathmandu Nepal. It was, it was absolutely atrocious. It, it was just one of those things when you go by there, you just, you just get the willies. You know what I'm talking about? That's a good theological term. You get the willies. And, and there's just the sense of, of this monk walking with his prayer box and walking around the rings of this giant, giant temple. And he's doing this all day. He's doing this. He's bowing down and getting on his face and, and then doing all this stuff, bowing down to his, his little idols and how he's doing it and all these little idols everywhere in the Hindu temples. And it's just atrocious watching what's going on here. And, and those who make their gods will be like them, it says in the scriptures. They're bowing down, and they're not really expecting anything to happen, but they know that this is the ritual that they have to go through. This is the the process as they're praying daily without expecting anything from that little deity. How are we different if we're expecting God to be no God? If we're expecting God to have eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear? How do we expect any difference from him? Psalm 135 says, The idols of the nations are but silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. They have eyes, don't see. They have ears, don't hear. Nor is there any breath at all in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them. Yes, everyone who trusts in them, they'll be like them. Hopeless. Dead. Dead worthless. When we pray without expecting God to do anything, we become like the idol worshipers and expect that our God, big G God, is no better than the little G gods of the ages around us. I don't don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to treat the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the sender of his son Christ for me because he loved me and delighted him. I don't want to treat him that way. He says, whenever you watch not and whenever you wait, not you treat him as if he were just another little g god and you don't expect him to do anything. Okay, what happens? Thirdly, we, we don't pay any attention to what he says and does A- after we pray and he does respond. If we're not listening for what he says, watching what he does, we'll not even notice. Sometime later on, you, you find out that you did pray for something, but you forgot you prayed for it, and then you look back and you think, well, well, dog, look at that, he did answer. (gasps) Shock, why are you shocked? (laughs) I told you I was going to, yeah, but I wasn't paying attention, I didn't realize you did it. You know, the story I was telling about our son being born, I don't think we, we picked up the message immediately as to what that looked like. We, we didn't immediately grasp. We prayed for God to take care of us. We prayed and God provided exactly. As a matter of fact, we, we had enough money to pay for everything and have $25 in the bank when it was over. And, and we, we said, thank you, thank you, Lord. That was so, good. Isn't, isn't that a wonderful coincidence? No. It's the sovereign hand of God looking out for us. We want to be able to pay attention to what he says. We want to be able to recognize that. We want to be able to put a a marker there and say, thus far God has spoken. Look what God has done. These should be stories that are told for generation after generation in our family. I want my son Scott to tell his kids, you wouldn't believe what happened the week I was born. This is how God treated our family. And, and we should have stories abounding like that. But we, we're not watching. We're not paying attention. We're not seeing what he does and responding with joyful praise and thanksgiving to him for what he does. Fourth thing that happens. We provoke him to stop answering. He won't because he's God and he's not conditional in his promises. But, but we provoke him to not do it, what happens? Well, we haven't listened, we haven't done, we haven't waited, we haven't responded, we haven't prayed, we haven't asked, we haven't, all this, and after a while, you would expect if you were God to just be able to say, forget it, I've had it with you. I'm not going to do anything for you because you're not going to listen to me. You're going to ignore me when I do something good for you. You're going to keep doing what you do as if I were inconsequential to your life. Why should I respond to you? Because he wants to instruct us. He wants to show us his favor. He wants to show us how he delights in us. but, But we're not paying attention. And so from a natural perspective, it would be, well, God, I'm provoking you not even to do it anymore because I'm not willing to do what you say even when you say it. I had a, my son Scott's son, his older son went with me to a driving range to, you know, six-year-old try to knock the ball as far as he possibly can, which is typically farther than papa does it anyway at six years old, but, but he was he was really messing up and he was just sh- you know, shanking it and just not doing very well at all, very different from the last time we'd been. And, and, I, and I said to him, listen, Tom, let me, let me help you with that. Let me show you something. <sighs> Papa, I went to golf camp this summer. I know what I'm doing. Far be it from me to talk to someone who went to golf camp when I never went to golf camp. So he's, he's continuing to shank him. We finish up the bucket of balls. Can I get some of your balls, Papa? <sniffs> You're not listening to me anyway. Go ahead and hit some more to the people down the line here. You know, yeah, hit, hurt the people in the, in the clubhouse. I don't, go ahead. Yeah. And so, so I finally get a chance. We go out to play nine holes of golf. And I'm thinking, I'm not telling him nothing. He didn't listen to me anyway. He's not asking me for any advice. And after eight holes of watching him be miserable on the ninth hole, this is the first time he's ever played on a real live golf course. For those of you who are worrying about all the people locked up behind us, it was okay. We have certain rules to keep things moving. But anyway, we get to the ninth hole, and I said, Tom, let me, sh- let me show you something. You, would you let Papa show you something? What? Well, you know how you've not been really hitting the ball really well the previous eight holes, and we're finishing up here? Let me just show you one thing that might help you. And, and okay. Thinking like, whoa. He's going to let me actually show him something, and he might even do it. And so I showed him something about his grip, and I said, Now try this, and just step back from the ball and just, and just swing the club like that. That feel weird? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Golfers understand. If it feels totally uncomfortable, it's right. And so, so he, he steps up the ball and crushes it right down the middle. And as soon as the ball goes off the, off the tee, he looks up at me like, Well, you're not an idiot, old man. You know, He didn't say anything, but it was that look like, Who'd have thunk it that you know anything about golf? I mean, how could that be possible? Sometimes we treat God that way. So like, we're doing it, God. We got it. I got this one. Would you let me speak? No, God, I got this. I don't need you. I'm not asking for anything. Don't tell me any stuff. I'm not going to do anything. And then we finally stop long enough to listen, and God just says, I didn't give up on you. Here, watch this. And we hit it down the middle. And it's this great sense of joy, but sometimes we just are not willing to listen. We're not ready to do what he says. We're we're provoking him to stop answering. He won't, but we we act like, God, I'm just not going to listen. I'm not going to do, and God just continues to bless us. Well, fifth thing, we don't recognize the work, and then we become ungrateful because we're taking him for granted or we're thinking that we did it and somehow or another, because we think we did it, we don't have to be grateful to somebody else. And so we puff up ourselves and we bring God down, and so we don't have hearts of thanksgiving. Uh, six, we, we miss the display of God's character in what he does. The magnitude of what God does. The wonder, the splendor of his characters on display Psalm 40, verse 5, it says, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak of them, there would just be too many to declare. Sometimes in a a church gathering or a a retreat setting or in a Bible setting in a home or something, it's like, well, tonight we're going to give you an opportunity to just share a testimony of what God's done in your life. You've been in those meetings? Somebody tell a story of what God's done in your life. I can almost count on it. Half of the stories are going to be decades old. I just thank God that he saved me 37 years ago. Well, I thank God for that too, but hadn't he done anything lately? Is there not a more current testimony of God's faithfulness in your life than one 37 years ago? What is going on here? You, you, You miss the display of his character on on your behalf, working for you every single day. Keep your eyes open. Watch what he's doing. Pray in such a way that you're asking, and then you're seeing his hand work. And sometimes realize that you're not praying, but Jesus is interceding on your behalf, and God does stuff for you that couldn't possibly be attributed to anything you did. It's just God going, here, bless you. I don't deserve this, Lord. He's going, yeah, I know. You don't deserve anything. Except condemnation. And I took that and put it on Christ. So here's some more grace. We want to be able to get to the place where we can see the display of His character at work in our lives. Seventh, we lose out, really. We lose out on all the joys and the comforts of just watching Him work and being able to just see Him do stuff, and we just go, scratch your head in amazement. God, that was awesome. God, that was absolutely amazing what you just did there. If you've lost the sense of expectation, and if you've stopped watching and waiting, it's good right now to be able to say, Lord, I don't want to enter 2018 the way it was this past year. It may have been that way for decades. But I don't want to go another day praying without expecting. Asking without believing. Being a double-minded person double-minded person who is not having because I'm not asking, but then when I ask, I don't ask in faith, and so I'm not believing or trusting you to do it, and so therefore, Lord, I'm not really invested in this thing. I, I don't want to live that way. And I don't think any of us want to live that way when God has said to us, that's not the normal Christian life. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So up the game. Change something. Alter the schedule of your day. Maybe in 2018, you're not supposed to read through the Bible next year. That's blasphemy to say such a thing. Oh. I can say that because I just finished Malachi 1 to 4 this morning. Yay! You know, and I finished Revelation 21, 22. I'm done for the year. I had a friend one time that says, on December 14th, he says, I'm done with my Bible reading for the year. Oh, yeah. You don't have to love Jesus at all the last half of the year. You know, none of that. No, but sometimes we have to say, well, you know, if I don't have enough time for this and that, I need to maybe figure out how to do this. Maybe I can carve out more time for prayer if I would just think about it and actually start making my requests known to God in a way that I'm waiting and expecting for him to respond. So my life is so busy and I still don't have time for that. Really? I've got two things to count that, Facebook and cable television. I'm just saying, the time we put into other things, what if we just reappropriated that and became men and women of prayer? Well, what would happen? We understand that God wants us to pray. We, we know that. He welcomes us, and he wants our praying to be flooded with the water's of faithful expectation. So, what does this mean? That means that there needs to be a growing up and a maturing of our prayer lives. That's really what this is all about. It means getting to a place where we see that the attitudes and advantages of expectant praying are manifest throughout the scriptures. We we see God saying all kinds of stuff about that. In Habakkuk, for example, chapter 2, and I'm just going to read three verses here. But this is the picture that we're looking to paint. He says, I'm going to take my stand. This is verse 1 of Habakkuk 2. I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower. And I will look out to see what he's going to say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Okay, I brought my request to the Lord. Now I'm not going to move from the watchtower and I'm going to stand on the wall and I'm going to watch to see what he does. Well, that's pretty brassy. No, it's just being faithful to expect what he said he was going to do. He said, so the Lord answered me. And the Lord said to him, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so so he may run who reads what's written there. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It's not going to happen yet, but you just write it down. This is going to happen. The vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. That's pretty plain, don't you think? (laughs) You're watching on the wall. Okay, write write down the vision of what I said. Okay, now, if it hasn't happened yet, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely happen come, it will not delay. That's a good word for men and women who need some instruction about waiting and watching in prayer. Get yourself on the wall after you've prayed and start looking to the horizon to see where God's hand is bringing that to pass. God wants us to develop that kind of persistence. He wants us to develop that kind of watchfulness, that kind of patience to wait expectantly. So, wrapping this up then. How does this work? Well, we need to watch for the evidence of his handiwork on display. Don't miss it. Just don't miss it. And the only way to not miss it is to actually be looking for it. Kathy and I went out a couple of weeks ago to see the big meteor showers. You didn't see a blooming thing. I mean, we sat there, and we were looking. I mean, you know, we thought, well, where are they supposed to be? Some of you are going like, oh, you missed it? It was awesome. Don't even tell me. But we looked, and we were out there for like an hour, and we were not seeing anything. So we moved to another location, and we parked out beside a golf course so we could kind of look there, and three people came out and said, can we help you? What are you doing? And we're going like, we're just watching for the stars. <laughs> Meteor shower. And we're going like, so you're basically not a terrorist. No, no, we're, we're just looking for the, we didn't see a thing, but we were watching expectantly. Somebody saw him. Did anybody here see him? You rascal. Where were you? Yeah. But anyway, we, we missed it, but we were looking. Station yourself where you can see. Get a place where you can watch for the evidence of God's handiwork on display. You'll not be disappointed. If you start looking with expectation to watch for God's hand at work, you're going to see it. And you're going to see it in places that you never even imagined it would be. Watch for it. See the evidence of his, his work on display. Secondly, wait for a vision of his plan at work. He says, now write the vision down. That's what he told the guy in the back. He says, write this down as to what's going to happen. It may be a long-term vision. It may not happen for a long, long time. And, and you may have a lot of short-term expectations. Don't be discouraged. Don't stop waiting. The delays are not... To frustrate you, the delays are to allow me to work behind the scenes the things that I am doing to make it the best it could possibly be. So don't take a half-baked answer to prayer when I'm working out the whole scheme. You look for the vision of my plan at work and then trust me for it. And then walk in the life that you have now toward the vision I've given you. The promises that are in my word. In a book on prayer. Puritan prayers. It's called the Valley of Vision. Some of you probably have used this. It says, may I not instruct you, God, in my troubles, but glorify you in my trials. God, here's the way I want you to get me out of trouble. Boom, 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 boom. And we tell God what to do. God's going, thank you so much. I was God. I didn't have any idea how to fix that. Thank you so much for helping me. So I can go ahead and work now? Yes, God. Now I'm giving you instructions. Go, don't wait. Another moment, go do what I said. God's going, no, no. How about if instead of you instructing me in your troubles, how about if you wait for me to unfold my plan toward moving you toward the vision that I have for you? Wait for the vision and then trust God to move you in that direction. And then move on ahead. Work in your life with the assumption that the answer is on the way. Go ahead and operate as if the answer is already there. Go ahead and start giving him thanks now for the answer that you believe he is going to be bringing in the days of head. Present your requests to him. In Habakkuk, he says, the vision is yet to come because it's for the appointed time. Uh, it, it's hastening toward the goal. It's not going to fail. Trust me in this. Wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it. I'm going to certainly come and I'm not going to delay. So God's wanting us to, to pray with expectation. He wants us to pray knowing that we trust the God who we're praying to. He's asking for us to ask him for things and then believe. It's not like we see him as the warehouse manager who's got a whole shelf full of stuff. That we're going to, oh, I need some of that, I need some of that, need some of that. No, we're not treating him like that. We're treating him as the God who is the all-wise God who has all power and knows exactly what fits for us. He says, ask according to my will, and it will be done for you. Trust me in this. Ask, seek, knock, trust, clearly expect that he expects us to stick around long enough to see the answer. That we actually keep track of what we're asking. And we actually come to him more often than we think we need to sometimes. And ask those questions. God, I will ask, I will believe, and then I'll be patient in my praying, and I will wait upon the Lord to bring the answer. That's what he's asked for us to do. So, I don't know, maybe 100% of you guys are ready to do something this year. Uh, I was praying this morning because I don't know, y'all. I don't know. So, so I'm praying that, you know, that 2080 80 rule, you know, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 80% of the people watch them. Uh, so I'm just praying, God, would, would you give this congregation... of the people who hear this message today, a passion to do something different tomorrow. Now, I'm getting on the wall, and I'm going to watch. And I'll never see the answer to this one until heaven, because I don't know. I don't know what goes on in your private homes. I don't know what happens in your personal devotional. I I will never know that. Your pastor, Scott, he'll never know that unless you tell him. But we're going to just watch what God does here among you. As you begin to alter the way you ask, and then expect, and then wait, and watch, and see what God will do. Do you believe this? Uh, 4%. Okay, we got 16% more we got to work on, but let's, let's just count on God to do what he says. So let's pray together, and then we'll trust him to do what he says he'll do.